Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Ria, founder of No Ties Consulting. And my name is Milos Novic. I'm an associate professor of law. Well, hello, good and grumpy people. It's another week and here is our episode of the Grumpy GDPR. How are you doing, Ria? I am doing amazing. How are you? Doing well as well, uh, wrapping up the semester, so it's uh, tons of fun, actually. Uh, how about you? Oh my gosh, it's, uh, well, my RSS is now currently at 226 because I spent this uh, entire week almost at the conference for primarily CISOs and DPOs from the Norwegian municipalities. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was so much fun. I'm so glad that I did get the time to spend a little bit more time there because there were about 300 uh, people signed up. Almost everybody attended uh, in person. And I did a talk called Death by Risk Assessments. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> they're so boring. Is that what you're saying? Because we've been fighting all the time about uh, risk assessments. <laughs> Something like that. Yes, indeed. And it was almost death by PowerPoint as well, because I had 78 slides and one digression in 25 minutes. Wow. But that it was lots lot. of lots of fun. That is a lot of information. No, but I, I hope there is a recording or something or should, have I missed out? No, there is no recording, unfortunately. Uh, so, but, you know, I've been thinking I work almost exclusively internationally, but I think I have to switch some of my focus back to dear old Norway because I worked with Norwegian municipalities back in 2017. And I'm astonished, shocked and disappointed to see that not much has happened since. But I think that is a completely different podcast. So yeah, sorry, how about our interested. topic today? Yes, we have a big topic because there is a big case. Yes, indeed it is. And it's the Irish Data Protection Authority again in the spotlight with uh, their uh, co-spotlight topic as ever, Meta. Yes, Meta is becoming really Meta at this point. So tell me, uh, what is different about this one? By now we've done like three episodes on Meta, I think. No, maybe two. Uh, yeah, two. What's new under the sun? Oh my gosh, where to start? You know, we're just going to do, as always, like a high level summary because there's so much information out there and we want to keep this as interesting and juicy as possible. But in short, so... Uh, the DPC has found and decided that Meta Island has infringed Article 46.1 when continuing to transfer personal data from the EEA to their processor, Meta US, in, of course, the USA after Schrems 2. Yeah, big surprise there. Oh my gosh, I think so many people have been waiting for this and uh, not least because we do have the new SECs, the 2021 ones, but of course they can't bind any other country. So you would need these additional supplementary measures. And the DPC has gone through both the organizational, the legal and the technical supplementary measures put in place by Meta Island and concluded that they don't address the risks to the fundamental risks and uh, rights and freedoms of data subjects as identified in Schrems 2. And even here, the US government has submitted lots of documents for this case, but they don't hold up against the uh, Schrems 2 ruling, those either. So is it finally time for us then to say that the risk-based approach is dead? 
Long live the risk-based approach. <laughs> well, it's interesting because the DPC actually says somewhere in the decision that uh, it's they don't... Let me see if I can find it. Um, mm, mm, mm. They actually refer to that and say that uh, this is the whole point of adding that uh, after the third point in the executive summary of the supplementary measures. But... Um, yeah, I don't remember it off the top of my head. It is definitely mentioned in the decision uh, that they, uh, yeah. Yeah, they don't exclude a so-called risk-based approach. This was deliberately inserted after point three of the executive summary. So that's on page 99 if people want to dive more into that. But what's really interesting, though, is that I cannot recall that they have actually... Uh, kind of qualified what kind of risk exists. And I don't think that the measures that Meta used are all that different from the measures that everybody else uses, right? So could Which mean effectively means that uh, by way of this decision, the, that approach is effectively dead. And mm. uh, the some say that the SECs are effectively dead because you can't find any measures, at least uh, when it comes to the US, which obviously is the most interesting third country here. There are other third countries as well, but we know for a fact that the US surveillance laws are highly pro problematic. So I see a lot of people saying that you just you can't transfer to the US. This is just the ultimate confirmation of that. Unfortunately, it kind of strikes me uh, that way as well. I can't really... Um, now I'm just thinking out loud, but I cannot think of a way in which you can implement additional measures compared to what Meta had in place, uh, depending on the nature of the data, of course, and everything else. But, uh, you know, let's just say that I have a hosting provider in the United States, um, only IP addresses, I don't do any tracking, anything, don't collect personal data. Uh, like, is that illegal now? Because I cannot bind the U.S. government not to, uh, you know, not to do the bulk connection. I mean, to me, I'd that seems like it, it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'd say to a large degree, uh, uh, yes, you have to. I think that this decision effectively is also a localization decision. Yeah, you have to keep data in the EEA or get out. It's very, very, very unreasonable because, I mean, looking into the big picture here, right, we have chapter five of the GDPR and let's not forget that the main goal of that chapter is to make sure that the rights of data subjects are not undermined, that they are ensured the same level of protection as within the EU. And we have the whole discussion on uh, hypocrisy of that, right, and uh, mass surveillance in the EU as well, uh, which yeah. uh, you and I have brought up a couple of times. But basically, Shrem Studan says, okay, uh, the American laws are obviously not protective enough. We are going to uh, do it. Basically, everybody needs to do the adequacy assessment on their own, right? More or less. The transfer impact assessments are just, in my opinion, you know, mini adequacy decisions. Uh, but we don't have to anymore because they, right. they're useless. They, right. they don't remedy the situation. Mm. And then we had supplementary measures, none of which seem to work anymore. And then we have derogations, but that is rejected as well, right? Yeah, all of them. So basically, the, the summary is that uh, US law doesn't provide a level of protection that is essentially equivalent to that provided by EU law. Neither the 2010 or the 2021 SECs can compensate for that. And uh, Meta Island, they don't have any supplementary measures. And if Meta, a company like Meta, can't implement sufficient 
supplementary measures. Who can? Yeah, right. And they can't rely on derogations, as you say, either. So they went through every one of them. And I think for, for the sake of derogations, uh, the DPC just concluded that this is the exception and it cannot become the rule. Well, I don't really, um, I don't really entirely follow their logic there. But look, I understand that it's phrased as a derogation, but I also do not think that um, that it's entirely not applicable in this case. But I, I kind of see the point by the virtue of it being called a derogation. Still, yeah. it is a very tough. It is a very tough decision. It is absolutely, and I think I agree with respect to the derogation that it cannot become the rule because if you look at the type of transfers that Meta does, it is so substantial that I absolutely see mm. that you can't you can't rely on derogations being that type of company. I think what's really missing here is that Meta has never taken steps to localize mm. uh, data in the EA. They haven't taken steps to create data centers here like Microsoft, Google, and, uh, you know, quote unquote, everybody else has of the well, big players, that is. Honestly, in all fairness, that does not solve the systemic problem of utter unreasonableness of the current situation, right? You can have yeah. data centers and we've seen with uh, Google, uh, you know, in Denmark, that yes, they have localized the data, but it, it, hey, there is this provision which says sometimes somebody in extreme cases, or I don't recall the circumstances of the case, but basically if somebody picks up the phone to help troubleshoot in the United States, goodbye. Uh, and yeah. the problem is also this decision also makes it clear that the any p potential agreement between the EU and the US is not going to solve um, any, any other third country situation, right? If I have a call center in Montenegro, India, mm. Pakistan, wherever, uh, this basically means forget it. Everything needs to be within EU. Maybe, maybe I'm overreacting, but it just strikes me that way. It strikes me the same way. Uh, and I don't think we're overreacting. Uh, of course, there are nuances to that, but I, I think this is a highly problematic decision. Mm. For, and this is, again, where I really struggle with the EU's approach here, because you have the, the huge companies, the Metas, the Googles, the Amazons of the world. They need to be treated differently than the rest of the market. Mm. And I think, again, and I've said it before, the DSA, the Digital Services Act, is such a huge lost opportunity to regulate the likes of these, because... This effectively means, you know, I, I agree in large with the decision, but my problem is everybody else, the implications for everybody else who cannot afford to build data centers in the EU or localize all the data or to prevent any and all transfers to the US or any other third country. What about them? Exactly. No, that is a huge issue. I will challenge you on the DSA part, but that we can do, like we've been promising a DSA episode for yeah, very long. But uh, one thing that I'm thinking about is if we go back to the basics and this EU exceptionalism and uh, us thinking that the EU has the best laws in the world, uh, I'm reminded of this copyright case. Um, a couple of years ago, there was this discussion about uh, how authors need to receive proper compensation for everything and how EU wants to reform its legislation. So what Spain did uh, before your, um, EU reform 
was that they actually required Google to pay um, different newspapers for, I don't know if you know, when you search for a newspaper article or you search for something, and uh, one of the links which pops up is the article in the newspaper. Well, because Google mm. used to like just give you like a snippet of one sentence or something from that yeah. article, uh, EU concluded that they must pay the newspapers. And of course, what Google did was first they shut down the service in Spain, the Google News service. Later yeah. on, they just changed it so that, um, from what I recall, I don't remember anymore, that it doesn't actually show you the snippet of what's in the news. And my God, number one, it's utterly unreasonable to ask a search engine to pay for one, you know, for, for, for showing information which people search for. And mm. number two, uh, it's so easy to circumvent it. People are just losing a service and yeah. um, to me it, that is almost as unreasonable as basically saying you know uh, no no within you we have the best data protection law and, oh, my god bulk surveillance it's like never and yeah. at the same time i mean come on and it, it, this is becoming such a huge issue and i hear also from peers and friends talking about the EU being the isolated kid in the corner, we're standing on the train station where the, you see the technology and innovation trains are just uh, passing us in lightning speed. You have Google mm. Bard being implemented in 181 countries and none in the EU because of uh, our data protection laws. And on one side, I really, you know, appreciate that we are being left on the train station, but I have been thinking more and more about this perspective that maybe it's us um, being the leaders when it comes to integrity and respect for basic human rights. Oh, please. Come on. <laughs> Seriously, you cannot tell me that with a straight face on. Okay, let's take uh, ChatGPT and the infamous Italian ban. Wait, remind me, was it because of incorrect personal data or what uh, What was it there? I think part of it was that and lack of transparency. Yeah. Uh, with lack of transparency, I can agree, but incorrect personal data in a language model, uh, of course we're left behind. And no, not because of integrity, we're left behind because of sheer stupidity where everything is personal data, everything is high risk. Uh, I don't know. I just feel very bad about it. I'm not saying, and I have to underline this, I'm not saying everything is okay. Mm. But I'm saying like there has to be a test of reasonableness, proportionality. This is just... Yeah. Yeah. And as you said also that there are cases from the EEA where we are absolutely no better than the US. Here in Norway, we are discussing uh, bulk surveillance in some forms by the Norwegian authorities. So, And the Norwegian DPA are shocked that we are having this discussion that, uh, that we might end up allowing this. And we are not angels in, in every respect. And there has to be a balance somewhere. And if we look at back at the decision again, so I'd like to hear your view on the DPC first deciding that they wanted to suspend the transfers. And then, of course, it goes to an Article 60 process where you had some objections triggering the dispute mechanism in Article 65 because the DPC wouldn't uh, accept those objections, specifically to impose a fine in addition to suspending the transfers. I think that uh, we once again, 
I once again uh, tend to agree with the DPC. Uh, we've had that episode, I think, uh, right around Christmas, where we talked about fines. They, they are a blunt instrument which achieves nothing, not nothing, but it hurts smaller actors far more than it hurts big actors. I think that suspension of processing, bans of processing, and you and I both have discussed this, I think that they are equally, if not superior, to, to mm-hmm. the fines. So I don't know if this was just a way of starting you know, a dispute uh, resolution mechanism and making sure that you make some comments. Like, I, I can't speak to that. Uh, but I think that it's... I, I take no issue with the problem that they chose this way. Yeah, and I think for once you have a fine that actually hurts because it's such an, a huge, huge fine. And it's interesting. I'd encourage everybody, as always, to read the decision. But of course, it's 222 pages. So I absolutely appreciate that not everybody has the time. But it's interesting to see the discussion that the EDBB and the various um, other supervisory authorities have around this, that they don't believe that the suspension is enough to truly deter the uh, other controllers from uh, other processors from doing uh, the very same so they b- strongly believe that it had to be a fine there and i just want to make a comment on something because i see that the dpc again in their press release they refer to uh, a small number of supervisory authorities raising objections that being four of them and i see this being discussed on linkedin as well that oh you only had four supervisory authorities uh, protesting but it isn't accurate because um Maybe not every every supervisory authority sees the need to raise objections if they know that others will. And what is really important to keep in mind is that you have to have two-thirds majority in the EDPB Mm. to uh, to uh, when you are in the Article 65 process. So it's mm. not only for other authorities. It is actually uh, a majority by two-thirds. Yeah. No, that is a very valid point to bring up. I think uh, I think I fully agree with you. Like I think that there is a broad agreement that the that this um, that this decision should have been revised. But one thing that I want you to th- that I just want to hear your opinion on. So when we look into the decision itself, we've already said it seems like all the processing uh, needs to more or less be localized within the EU. Now you mentioned in the starting part that actually in the United States we've had the Facebook or sorry meta which acted as a processor for meta within eu so um and it's very i think that it is a common setup that people used right when they would use these big services they would uh, enter into a contract with them and then these would use their parent company as a processor but why do you think that uh, nobody chose at this stage to actually uh, apply the extraterritorial part of the GDPR and to see if they can find some way to sanction uh, the US entity in a direct way. I'd say they they sanction them in a direct way, absolutely, because the level of the fine is calculated on the basis of Meta US. Okay. Mm. So it's not, uh, they don't take into consideration the revenue for Meta Island. And this is something for all bigger uh, groups of companies to take note of that the calculation is made on the basis of Meta Platforms Inc., not Meta Island. One of the points in the decision was actually discussing how this is going to impact the business model 
and how um, more or less how widely uh, the company's services are used within EU, uh, how much is this going to impact the industry as a whole? Uh, do you have any thoughts there? I, you know, I, I am I am so excited isn't the right word, but um, I think this is really serious. I think that those who haven't yet decided data centers in the EU should really start thinking about that. And, and I don't agree with that approach, just to have that said. I don't think that is the right... As you said, it's systemic. There's a, this is a political issue mm. um, in large. And uh, I think this is perhaps the most impactful decision that we've seen since uh, Schrems 2. Mm. And also... Uh, Another thing that I just had to mention before I forget it again is that uh, the DPC went through the new executive order that Biden signed in, uh, what was it, October last year. And it is so interesting to see. It is almost picked apart. It's not operational and it, it, so many parts haven't been implemented yet. They haven't uh, appointed uh, judges or special advocates. Uh, the EU has not been decided as a qualifying state yet. So as of today, let's say the European Commission approved this tomorrow. You can't rely on it actually because, or they can't approve it, I'd guess, uh, because there are so many things that are not yet in place. And I wasn't aware of that. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I I was surprised as well. I didn't know the details of the order, but actually, it yeah. makes perfect sense uh, that they would not rely on something which uh, which hasn't entered into force yet, unless the new framework, the data privacy framework between the EU and the US, if that's not approved now, mm. where does that leave us on the twelfth of October? Because as Meta says in the decision, if uh, if they are forced to do this, they, they have to pull out of Europe because yeah. their infrastructure. And I think that people should really take note of this point because I, I perceive this as really serious that Meta is not capable because of their technical infrastructure to have to separate the, uh, the personal data of mm. people in the EEA in the EEA. And we've seen other reports uh, about their infrastructure where it seems like they don't have any control. Yeah. And what terrifies me about this, actually, is the fact that, um, okay, when we when it comes to big businesses, when it comes to social media, they kind of have their own stack, they do things by, uh, then they have, they work on their infrastructure. But what about your carpenter, say that he wants to start a website? As I said, simple website where you can order, uh, I don't know, chairs and tables. Uh, to me, it's like I've gone through this myself and I bring that up often. It's impossible to find a solution which offers the same level of functionality. I have tried. Mm. Uh, and even when you can, do we really trust uh, that these solutions are actually, like factually, actually more protective for the data subjects than uh, the solutions abroad. And yes, once again, I do understand that's not popular to say, but I really don't think if you build a server farm in your uh, basement or your attic and you're running everything from within you, you that the data subjects are any better off. Yeah, not feasible. Not feasible for uh, most people. And it's so unfortunate because I agree with you. Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of the, at least the solutions that I've tried are up to par. 
maybe we are, um, I don't know, maybe uh, I think I have a pretty good uh, overview of the different solutions from providers, both the US, EU and otherwise. And, you know, it is too difficult to create a simple website today. And as some have said, we are creating a splinternet. We are expecting people like the carpenter can't run his bloody website from his basement. It's not feasible. Uh, most people can't run their own email service. It's absolutely ludicrous to uh, to, to try to convince us uh, of that. So yeah. I think we end up as always like this has to be resolved on a political level. Mm. Uh, the problem is that once again with the other countries, I have no idea how that is going to go in addition to the US. But I fully, fully agree with you when it comes to uh, to the impossibility of actually doing it this way. And I'm also thinking in terms of slightly broader implications. If we say, okay, we want to keep EU as an isolated island and we believe that this will lead to the development of better, uh, more, um, let's say, to development of business services and models within EU. Well, I actually disagree because this way you're effectively curtailing uh, any competition from mm. outside of the EU. And I think that competition is the main prerequisite for innovation, right? If I build uh, my version yeah. of ChatGPT, you know, it's likely not going to be as good, but hey, like at least it's located in the EU. And I think also we should really question the uh, detrimental effects here of all kinds of transfers uh, to third countries. And compare that against, for example, ad tech, how invasive that is. And um, I just want to leave people with that thought, at least, because this is just out of all proportions. It's um, I know that this is being celebrated as a huge privacy win. Maybe it is, but it's for sure not a win for uh, the everyday business operations uh, around um, mm-hmm. Europe. Exactly, as we've been saying, like, it's easy for me to agree with what we've been saying. But, you know, you get these big cases which are out there, uh, which are made against big companies, and very few authorities seem to think about the consequences, you know, for companies which are not that big. But I think that this was a lovely discussion. I never expected to have that much fun talking about international (laughs) transfers. Uh, So thank you so, so much. It was lovely. Thank you too, Milos. And thanks to all our wonderful, grumpy listeners out there. Catch you next time.